I'm excited because we're in the practicality month in the series on generosity. We've been talking about tithing. We've been talking about offerings. And uh, the first week was the test of 10. We talked about the tithe or the principle. Uh, The principle, it's important you understand that it's not a law. All right. It's not that you have to. Nobody's forcing you to tithe. It is a principle that we tithe. It is a biblical kingdom principle that we give 10% of our income to God through the local church. That is a biblical principle. And uh, last week, Pastor Alan Jones from Grace Center in Franklin, he shared a message, uh, a lot of testimonies. And they were wild. Honestly, if you guys have not heard that message yet, you need to go back and listen to the podcast. You'll be inspired. You'll be encouraged to give like never before. I have received testimonies already today, first service. Somebody walked up to me and said, you're never going to believe what happened. I said, oh, try me because I've been hearing so many testimonies. He said, we decided last week, last Sunday, we were going to practice first fruits. We've always tithed, but we're going to practice first fruits and we were going to give above that in offering. And uh, on Tuesday, my wife received uh, a pay raise and I was celebratory of that and thanking the Lord. And then on Friday, I received a pay raise. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? It's just crazy stuff like that's happening. I've been getting texts from you guys, DMs from you guys. Hey, I started giving in first fruits and I got a pay raise. I get, you know, what I'm getting paid day by day is just continuing to go up. I had unexpected gifts, unexpected blessings. And I was inspired by Alan as well. I was like, I'm going to start writing down, like when I get blessed, like cash or gifts or whatever it is, and just see how much God blesses us over the course of the next year. Anybody with me in that? You're like, yeah, let's go after that. Awesome. Well, uh, today I want to continue our series on generosity, perhaps in a unique way, in a way you may not expect, because I'm going to examine the scripture again, but instead of presenting a kingdom principle, I want to talk to you guys this morning about a kingdom concept. And this concept is the understanding that each and every one of us is anointed to function in a particular way in regard to what the Bible has to say about us being a kingdom of priests, okay, a kingdom of priests. So I want to ask you to open up your Bible to Exodus chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 4 through 6, and uh, that's where we're going to begin today. And as you're opening up your Bible, I was fascinated to learn this this week, is that the originator of this concept uh, is actually my dad's pastor, Pastor Mike Hayes. And uh, I, I was so fascinated by that because the principle of the first fruits or the tithe is something that Mike Hayes has been teaching on exclusively for a number of years. And it actually inspired Pastor Robert Morris to write the book, The Blessed Life. So I was so, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? This is awesome. And, and so I'm really excited about sharing this concept with you guys. My dad has been preaching it as well for the last five years. And he just testified testimony upon testimony this week about the freedom and the fruitfulness that it's brought Legacy Owensboro. So if you have your Bible open to Exodus chapter 19, say amen. Amen. I'm going to preach to you guys today from the subject of kings and priests. That's the title of the message, kings and priests. Are you guys ready to go? Awesome. Exodus 19 verse 4 through 6. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Everybody say enemies. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. 
How many guys know that God has a plan for you? How many guys know that God has a plan for your enemies? That just, that just does something for me. God has a plan for my enemies. And he says right here, he says, hey, look, I, I'm going to deal a death blow to your enemies. I'm going to save you. How many saved people we got in the house today? And I'm going to bring you to myself. Now, there's a lot of blessing attached to your salvation, but the premier blessing in being saved is this, that God brings you to himself, that you have an intimate connection, that you have a relationship with Yahweh, with Abba, with God, the creator of the universe. You have been saved, and he has brought you to himself. So we have to remember that. That's a point of origin that's important. And then the Bible says, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, Rhema, and keep my covenant, Logos, I think that's important, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Everybody say kings Kings. and priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. What we see here in the Old Testament is that God has a desire. And that desire is that his people, God's sacred people group, would be a kingdom of priests. That they would be kings and priests. Now, I want you to know right up front, as I say kings and priests, I'm not just talking about men and other men. I'm talking about kings and queens. Can all the women say amen? Amen. I'm talking about priests and priestesses. Can all the women say amen again, right? And so I'm going to use these terms interchangeably throughout the sermon. I might might say kings. I might say queens. I'm talking about the same anointing. It's important for you to hear that, okay? And as I say priest, I'm talking about priestesses too. I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about both men and women unilaterally. We both have the same capacity. The anointing has been given to us all according to the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's a reason for you to shout right there, right? That we're all anointed and appointed by God. Come on. And so we have been anointed as a kingdom of priests. And this is God's desire of his sacred people group, that we would be a kingdom, a kingdom. I think it's time for some of us to start thinking a little bit different. That we would start thinking like kings and queens in the earth. A sovereignty. The original commission given to our first father, Adam, and our first mother, Eve, was that they would take dominion and subdue the earth, right? That they would be fruitful and that they would multiply. I think I'm preaching 22% better than y'all saying amen. Because I think we need to get our minds on multiplication a little bit more often than just simple addition or better yet subtraction. Is that God wants you to know who you are so that you can understand your role both in the kingdom and in the earth. You are a king. You are a queen. You guys with me? You are a king. You are a queen. Can you just speak that? I'm a king. I'm a queen. Yeah, you can speak that over yourself. A sovereignty, a dominion. And that doesn't mean that we rule over people and territory. It means we take responsibility for territory and for people. That's what it means. To receive dominion is to receive responsibility. 
People talk about, I want to rule, I want to reign, I want to lead, I want to take over. What you're asking the Lord for is responsibility. And if you're content with your capacity, you need to revise your prayers. Because if you're going to be a king and reign with Christ for all of eternity and in this lifetime, we've got to stretch our capacity to receive more dominion. Kings function in dominion. But also priests. Who are priests? Priestesses. Priests are people who minister to God for God on behalf of the people. That's who priests are. And this is what God's design is from the beginning. He wants to cause his people group, his sacred people, to function in the earth as kings and as priests. Now, First uh, Peter talks about this, and this is part of our identity. Everybody say identity is that every single one of you are a king and a priest. You are a queen and a priestess. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, you're called as part of your identity, who you are, to be a king and a priest. But I don't want to talk to you today about your identity. I want to talk to you today about your anointing. And when I say anointing, I'm talking about your assignment. When I say your assignment, I'm talking about your function. What are you called to do in this life? What are you called to do with your time, your talent, your treasure? What, how are you called to execute what God has placed upon your life? How are you called to release the gift that you are to all of humanity? You guys excited about this yet? Are you a king? Are you a priest? There's some more here. God's desire in the New Testament. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. This is Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 through 6 also. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. And the ruler of kings on the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom of priests. To his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion. Everybody say glory, glory. and dominion. dominion. See, what we're seeing here is we're starting to understand something. God has designed us to function. He's anointed us to be kings and priests. And we bring glory and dominion to the Father. This is something that we do through our worship. But might I suggest to you that kings operate in dominion where priests operate in glory. Kings function, they flow, they flourish in dominion, whereas priests, they function, they flourish in glory. This is, this is our spiritual service to God. Kings bring dominion to God, priests bring glory to God. And here in Exodus, as well as through the book of Revelation, we see God's design. King James Version in verse 6 says, And, and hath made us kings and priests. Unto God and his Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever. This is something that I believe that each and every one of us will discern today about how God has anointed us to operate in this season. Like I said, your identity, who you are, that's, that's your identity. Identity is who you are. Your, your, your function or your calling is what you do. It's what you perform. How many of you guys know that we're not called to simply focus on who we are alone but we also better pay some attention to what we're called to do, right? Because there's people who will be affected on the other side of our obedience. 
Right? There's people who God wants to bless through you. There's people who God wants to nourish through you. There's people who God wants to love through you. Who he wants to bring people into his kingdom through you. So it's important that we discern how God has anointed us in the season so that we'll know what to take action on. Everybody say action. action. How many of you guys know God doesn't raise up anointed bench warmers? Yeah. That each and every one of us are called to get in the game for God and do something about what he's put upon our lives. So are you a king or are you a priest? That's the question I want to ask you today. I'm going to help you discern that. Let's look at the model king of the Old Testament, King David, in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. I want to start and stop very quickly. I'm going to hit the first part of this story and the latter part to reveal to you the assignment of kings. That's what I hope to reveal is the assignment of kings. 2 Samuel 11 and verse 1. It says this, in the spring of the year, the time when kings, everybody say kings, kings. go out to battle. Yes. That's what kings do. Yes. Kings go out to battle. It's what kings do. Some of you guys right now, you got a fighting spirit. You know, you're like, I'm just naturally aggressive. Good. You could be a king. He said, kings go out to battle. And, but, but here's what happened. David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites. And they besieged Rabbah. Everybody say Rabbah. Rabbah. It's important that you note this. But David remained... At Jerusalem. David remained at Jerusalem. The Bible teaches us here that in the springtime, when the weather got nice, kings would begin to go out to battle. And one of the things about kings, I believe, is that, you know, we're all called the harvest. Do you believe that? So the Bible says the springtime. What happens in the springtime? You start planting in the springtime, don't you? What I find interesting is that there's a lot of people who feel called to be kings, but they quit in the summer. It gets hot. Right? Your harvest is connected to your endurance. It's just a, it's a little bunny trail that I'm taking real quick. But this is something kings do. Kings stand up and they go to battle. Kings take back territory that belongs to God. Kings set up conquest of cities and nations. This is what kings do. Kings see things through a different lens. They say that city right there. We're going we're gonna to go on a conquest for that city. We're going we're gonna to take back everything that belongs to God. Everything the enemies tried to plunder, we're going to take that back in Nashville. I've got a blueprint for what needs to happen there. I'm going to set up a conquest. I'm going to go out to battle, and I'm going to take back what belongs to God. Now, at this juncture in David's story, a lot of times we'll be completely pulled away from the war at Rabbah, Right, and will be pulled into David's temptation and the fall that resulted, which is, you know, David doesn't go out to war, right? He stays in Jerusalem, and as a result, he's tempted. He sees Bathsheba, he sees her bathing, he's tempted. He goes and sleeps with her. They have a kid together. He then sets up this strategy to murder her husband. I don't care how bad you've been. This is the man that is after God's own heart, and he commits murder. This should encourage you as you read through the scripture, that you're not as bad as some of your heroes, right? And God restored him. How did God restore him? He sent a priest. Everybody say priest. He sent Nathan the prophet to correct him and to restore him back into his assignment. 
Now, we're not going to get fully pulled into his fall with Bathsheba, but I do want to note a couple of things here. Had David been engaged in his assignment as a king, he would have not been bored and engaged with his temptation. When you do not engage in your assignment, the result is so often boredom. Boredom with your faith, boredom with your church attendance, boredom with your life, boredom with your Christianity. And you sit around and say, man, Christianity ain't what it used to be. I'm just bored. You're not bored. You're disobedient. Because here's the thing. God is so faithful to challenge you. God is so faithful to speak to you. You're just denying the request of adventure. He's saying, hey, look, you want to go on this journey with me? You want to go on this mission with me? You want to take, ba- you want to take ground with me? You want to go to war with me? You want to go on a conquest with me? You want to experience joy and adventure and engage? No, no, I'm good. Well, we, we scratch our heads and wonder why we're bored. When we're not engaging our assignment, what happens is we engage temptation. We don't have anything better to do. Engaging temptation. Secondly, it is important to note that there's a collaboration here. The message today is about kings and priests. David, as anointed king, is collaborating here with an anointed priest who speaks to him and brings him back into the family of God. So let's skip over just a little bit. And, um, and I, I want to read to you one more uh, passage from this story, which is 1 Samuel 12 and 29 through 31. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah. Everybody say Rabbah. See, it's important. See, before what happened was, is that David as a king, he sent people to do his assignment. Hey, people cannot perform your assignment for you. It doesn't work like that. People cannot get your breakthrough for you. It doesn't work like that. People cannot get your anointing for you. It doesn't work like that. The anointing cost what it costs. There's no discounts. There's no rebates. You don't get to send a pastor in your place to go to God on your behalf or to take the territory you've been called to take to bring back the gift and give it to you. You've got to stand up and lead the people of God, king, queen, and you've got to take the territory for yourself. It says here that David gathered all the people. David was gifted as a leader. See, that's the thing about kings. They just, they just know how to sway the heart of people. They can enlist people into a mission to go on a conquest. And he went against Rabbah. He didn't just besiege it. You know what besieging means? They gather around it, and they wait for the starve them out, right? David did something different. He went, and he took victory back from the enemy to the kingdom of God. And he took the crown. Everybody say money. Yep, it's important crown of their king from his head. The weight of it was a talent of gold, and in it was a precious stone. Everybody say money. And it was placed on David's head, and he brought out the spoil of the city. Everybody say money. And a very great amount. How many of you guys are like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all about that, man. I'm all about those great amounts. Yeah. Bless me, Lord. I'm all about those great amounts. And he brought out the people who were in it, and he set them to labor with saws and iron picks and iron axes and made them to toil at the brick kilns. And thus he did to all of the cities of the Ammonites. And then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. Everybody say they returned. See, it's important that David didn't just take the blessing and absorb it. He didn't just take the seed and eat it. 
How many of you guys know if you want to see a harvest, you got to sow some seed. You don't just eat all of your seed. That's part of tithing. That's part of first fruits. That's part of giving in offerings. You don't just take all the seed that God blesses you with as a result of your harvest and eat it all. Right? That's short-sightedness. You sow and more comes up in the next season. Amen? See, this is the mindset of kings. This is the assignment of kings. They're leaders. They take cities. Gold and precious stones are given to them. Money, great amounts are entrusted to them. And they do this to plunder the enemies of God. And then they bring back the spoils to the city of God. They bring back those great amounts to Jerusalem because they have a project in their hearts. And see, that project is bigger than their business. That project is bigger than, you know, an apartment complex and real estate. That project is bigger than a new brand that they're going to launch. That project has to do with the kingdom of God. David had a project on his heart, and that was to build the house of the Lord. That was to build a temple for the presence of God. That was to build a place that would be seen and recognized for generation upon generation as a place where the Holy Spirit would abide. And this is what kings do. They bring back the spoil to Jerusalem, brought it back. Now, David didn't build the temple. He was a king. But this is the assignment of the kings to take territory and to bring back the spoil. Now, look, let's look at priests real quick. Numbers 1, 47 through 53. I'll, I'll move quickly through this because I want to get to the part where we, we get into you discerning what it is that God has called you to do in this season. But the Levites were not listed along with them by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not list, and you shall not take a census of them among the people of Israel. But appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, and over all the furnishings, and over all that belongs to it. They are to carry the tabernacle in all its furnishings, and they shall take care of it, and shall camp around the tabernacle. When the tabernacle is set out, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. The people of Israel shall set up their tents by their companies, each man in his own camp and each man by his own standard. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony so that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel. And the Levites, everybody say priest, shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. Now, see here, there's a theme that's emerging about the priest or the Levites, which was the first tribe to wear jeans. Just wait, I was sneaking in my preacher jokes, y'all. So there's a theme that's emerging here, right? We've talked about the assignment of kings. What's the assignment of kings? To take territory. What's the assignment of the priest? To take care of the tabernacle. That's the assignment of priests. Priests take care of the tabernacle. There were a few things that were outlined in this passage. Priests are appointed to oversee the tabernacle. They care for the tabernacle. They carried the tabernacle. The weight of the tabernacle was placed upon their shoulders. They carried it. They protected the tabernacle in that they camped around it. And then they also protected the people of God. They protected the people of God. You, you see, there was like, if they get too close, they'll be put to death. There was a, there was a, a certain nature of being an intercessor. Yeah. 
They would minister to God for God, but what they would receive through the presence of God, they would then pass along to the people of God. And how many of you guys know we live under a new covenant? You don't need a man or a woman to talk to God on your behalf. You won't be killed for approaching the glory of God. You can talk to God just as anybody else can talk to God. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. But there still is a New Testament function as priest that they minister to God on your behalf. They pray for you. They bless you. They officiate your weddings and your funerals. They dedicate your babies. They cover you. They, they get visions on your behalf. They text you at 3 p.m. and say, I got a prophetic word for you today. Can you believe it? I was on a prayer walk, and this is what God has to say about you. And there is a function that a New Testament priest have uh, to mediate, to serve, to bless and protect the people of God. And if you want some more qualifications for what priests do, you can flip over to the New Testament. Look in Hebrews chapter 5. Um, Hebrews, uh, it's believed that Paul is the author of Hebrews. So we'll suppose so and say that Paul is writing to say that every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. Intercessors. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean intercessor in the classic term of like, in, in the sense of if you're thinking about, you know, somebody waving a flag. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a, um, um, some of you guys grew up in that culture, me too. But I'm talking about like somebody who stands in the gap, okay, on behalf of you and God. And they offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. And they can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with Weakness. You guys know that? That priests are beset with weakness. How many of you guys thought priests were perfect? Don't, don't, nobody raise your hand. How many of you guys thought, man, the pastor, you know, he's got it all together. He's the pastor. He's just, he's, he's just never doing anything wrong. In the Old Testament, when the, when the pastor, when the priest, when the priestess, you know, would, would uh, give an offering on behalf of the people of God, they'd give a bull for themselves before they'd give a lamb for you. They're, they're ultimately weak. But, but here is what the passage is telling us, that they do not appoint themselves as priests, but God chooses them as priests. Some of you guys in here, you say, I'm chosen. <coughs> hey, man didn't put you in that position. God did. So you don't need to check with anybody before you function in it. God blessed you. God has anointed you to do what he's called you to do. It says God chose you. Here's the thing about priests. They're not qualified. Let it sink in. You know, I planted our church at 26. I cannot, cannot tell you guys how many people were like, you're definitely not qualified. I'm like, yes, correct. Back then I tried to defend myself and then as I got a little bit older I was like actually this is probably a dumb thing I've done. But I always thought <laughs> I always thought I'm like but when I'm 46 I'll look like a genius cuz I'll be like 20 years deep and I'll still have like 25 years left and this you know and that that's what that that, that encouraged me. Uh, you know, but a lot of times, especially in pastoring older people, you know, yeah. even being younger, even now I'm 34, you know, uh, pastoring people who are older than me, you know, it used to be very scary for me. It's, oh man, I, you know, I'm, I'm not qualified to, to, to pastor them. I'm not qualified to lead them. God said, yeah, you're right. You're not, you're not qualified. Hey, here's the thing. I'm not qualified to be your pastor. I'm anointed to. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm anointed to. Priests are not qualified. Priests are anointed. They're not qualified to lead you. They're anointed to lead you. Spiritually. They're anointed to bless you. They're anointed to pray for you. They're anointed to receive revelation on your behalf. They're anointed to cover you. They're anointed to speak into your life. And that's one of the things now I encourage older people in. You know, and they say, but you don't know. You only have two kids. I have seven. You know, you don't know. You know, I'm 84. You're just 34. And I said, well, I know, but you are a part of our church. So if God has led you here and you're anointed to be here, then I'm anointed to be your shepherd. And it's not that I have any desire to control or manipulate you, but I appeal to you and I suggest to you, these are the things I've heard from God. Is this helping you guys at all? There's an understanding that we, that we all have to come to is that if you're anointed to be a king, we need to prefer and let you lead. If you're anointed to be a priest, we need to prefer and let you lead. It's important that we understand how to relate to each other so that we're not competing with each other, but we're collaborating with each other. And here's what it says. It says, and, it, and, and no one takes this honor for himself, but only when they're called by God like Aaron was. Skip on down a little bit. It says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. If you want to be a priest, I want you to read that right there because that is the best job description, short job description of a priest is that they offer up prayers with loud cries and tears. If you want to be a priest, that is the best short job description I can give you. Your life will be filled with loud cries and with tears. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. If you want to be a church planner, guaranteed. Guaranteed. You will, you will wish to quit. Guaranteed. And you'll be like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, please, if there is any other way that I can do this, please let me close the doors of this church, you know? That's, that's real. That is the real, that's the reality of priests. Loud cries and tears. But here's the thing. is that God said, I chose you, son. I anointed you, son. I, I called you for such a time as this. I've destined you for this. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking your heart. Every single, you know what's funny? Is every single time in my past that I thought I might quit, you know what kept me? You. Because I would come in here and I would look at somebody and not, I haven't thought about quitting for a long time, so that should refresh you. But I've matured now, man. I know, I know. I'm like, hey, bad days. I like this. God is teaching me something. What is the lesson and what is the opportunity of this problem? You know, it doesn't always feel like that, but it's important. And I would come in, I'd look and I'd say, oh man, but, but what about that person right there? Who are they going to have to pray for them? Who are they going to have to, to bless them? Who are they going to have to encourage them? Who are they going to have to prophesy to? I know they'll find somebody else, but God, they, I don't know if anybody else will love them like I love them. I love those people a lot. I really love those people. And that would always give me a second win. That's the nature of being a priest. It's loud cries and tears on behalf of cities, on behalf of nations, on behalf of people. This is what priests do. And so I want to recap with you a little bit about the assignment of kings, queens, priests, and priestesses. Kings, they deal in the realm of dominion. This could be kings and queens, government, congressmen, senators, governors, mayors, councilmen and women, business owners, entrepreneurs, investors, strategists. These are all people who deal in the realm of dominion. These are queens. These are kings. 
And I love the fact that we're seeing women of God rise up and step into this role with authority. We need to encourage these queens in what they're called to do. They're fighting against the grain of culture in order to do that. And so we as priests need to take upon the burden of praying for the women of God in here who are called to be queens. Women of God in our culture who are called to be queens. And then priests, on the other hand, they operate in the realm of glory. This is the five-fold ministry. This is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. These are church planters. These are teachers. These are ministry leaders. These are people who start their own ministry. These are children's directors. These are Sunday school teachers. These are people who are called to be priests. They function. They flourish. They operate in the realm of glory. And in your identity, remember I said who you are, you're called to both. In your identity, you're called to both. You're both a king and a priest. You are called to reign with Christ for all of forever. Called to be a queen. Called to be a king. Uh, And in your identity, who you are, you're called to be a priest or a priestess. Right? You are called to offer glory to God for all of eternity. That's who you are. But when it comes to your function, when it comes to your anointing, when it comes to the power of God that is resting upon your life, in every season, you'll usually have a dominant gifting. And it doesn't mean that you didn't flow in the other in a season previous. It doesn't mean that you'll never flow in it again in a season in the future. But in this season, there's a dominant gifting. There's a power that is resting upon your life that God has designed for you to flow in. And I want to help you discern that. Kings are called to flow in wealth, finance, territory, dominion, businesses, government, seven spheres of society. Priests are called to flow in glory, ministries, apostolic endeavors, prophetic ministries, everything that happens there. And these two are called to partner. So who are you? Who are you? Here's how you know who you are. How does the anointing hit your heart when you're in the presence of God? When you're in the presence of God, when you're in prayer, when you're in worship in here on Sunday morning, what are the ideas that you get? What starts to energize your spirit? Do you start to think about reaching people with the gospel? You're a priestess. Do you start to think about market strategy and business and how to set up a, you know, new investment portfolio? You're king. Do you start thinking about marketing strategies? Do you start thinking about, hey, here's the process of how we're going to grow this business and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to take this thing public here and I've got this idea there and I'm going to revamp my resume and set up my portfolio because I'm going to have breakthrough in these spheres. I'm going to have breakthrough in entertainment. I'm going to have breakthrough in media. I'm going to have breakthrough in government. I'm going to have breakthrough. You guys get what I'm saying? Is that what starts happening? If that's, what, if that's what happens, can I encourage you to stop rebuking yourself? Oh, well, I better, I got to get spiritual. Oh, I, that's not spiritual. No, it is spiritual. God's anointed you for that. God's anointed you to take territory. God calls you a king. And it's springtime in the spirit. It's time for you to go to battle. God calls you a queen. You're called to function and flourish in wealth. And in gold and crowns and precious stones. and Do you guys believe that? If that's what happens when the anointing hits your heart, those are the ideas you get, you're queen. You're king. Now, on the other hand, if, you, if, you're in the, if you're in the presence of God and you start thinking, man, we could reach so many more people. We could set up this, this evangelistic ministry and we could reach this pocket of this neighborhood in Nashville and we could really train and develop and, and help these people grow and, and in the 
practically and spiritually. And, you know, if we did that, we could feed these people here and then we could start this ministry school. And this is, this, this is the ideas I get. And then I'm like, I mean, we can need an internship program and we got to figure out how to house these people. And we need to develop them to obey the commandments of Jesus. We need to break down and do a Bible study. We need to start a Wednesday night event so that people know what Ephesians has to say about how the church should be structured. These are the things I think about. And so if you're a priest, these are the ideas you start to get. Man, we could reach people. Man, we could impact people with the gospel. We could hit people with the glory of God. We should do a street outreach. I'm ready to preach. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. You know, like if, it, you know what I'm saying? If that's the way you start, oh man, if I created this, if I, if I started this, man, the presence of God would be recognized. Are those the ideas you get? If so, you're anointed to be a priestess. What do you dream about in the presence of God? Now, and I, I, pre- I preached this message for the first time in life in, in the first service, but, you know, I, I had some um, anticipation of what people might say when we start to ask, what is your dominant gift? And for kings, you know, so I'm a king. That's me. I'm a king. Well, can I talk to you about being a kingdom king for just a minute? If you're a kingdom king, then you bring resource into the kingdom. Do you tithe? Do you give? Are you generous financially? Are you helping the people? Are you helping the city? Are you helping the house of God? Are you giving to the project of God? If you're not, you're not a kingdom king yet. You've not matured to that. You're called to it, but you're not there yet, and you need to start doing it. Kings bring wealth, not just tithe. Kingdom kings don't fuss over percentages, but their desire is to make an impact. They're not looking for how little they can get away with giving. They're looking at their legacy. They're looking at the kingdom legacy. They're looking at the kingdom of Jesus and saying, how can we touch that sphere? How can we make an impact in that neighborhood? How can we transition this street corner? How can we bless this place of business? How can we come up with an idea that would shift these laws and this assignment? How can we get into the, you see what I'm saying here? They, they don't think about percentages and from the standpoint of, well, I just... Man, I can't, I can't stand to impact. That's not how kingdom kings think. They have a different mindset. If you're stingy, you're not a kingdom king. Kings don't hoard. They operate in dominion. Now, on the other hand, if you're called to be a priest, priests take care of the tabernacle. Are you actively engaged in helping the house? Priests are far less concerned with consumption and more concerned with contribution. Priests don't come to church and say, well, the worship wasn't that good today. That's good. We weren't worshiping you. You know, the worship wasn't that, that's the wrong question. Priests don't ask, was the worship good? Priests ask, how was my worship? Because I have a responsibility to take to the glory of God. Priests give, sometimes with tears. Are you serving the people in places that it hurts to continue? Are you willing to push beyond inconvenience to serve in places of tears and sometimes loud cries because it's difficult? If you're called to be a priest and you refuse to serve in any capacity that's inconvenient, you're not yet matured to a kingdom priest. Priests are not out all alone by themselves doing their own thing away from the church. Listen, if you've made a ministry of picking apart the church, you're not a kingdom priest. 
Kings protect the house. Uh, excuse me, priests protect the house. Priestesses protect the house. They understand there are flaws. They understand their imperfections. But that's my mama, man. How many of you guys are ever going to let anybody talk about your mama? Not a chance, right? Now, you can talk about her a little bit, you know. And it's like, Mom, I really disagree with the way. That's fine. You're a son. You're a daughter. But you're not going to let anybody else talk about your mama. That's the thing. If you've made a ministry out of, out of you know, bad mouth and mom, come on, man. Upgrade. Get a different mindset. That's your mom, man. The collab between kings and priests is intricate and necessary for this time. I'll be real quick and finish with this. Kings and priests are not competitors. They're collaborators. They work together to advance the kingdom of Jesus where kings flourish in dominion and priestesses flourish in glory. They collaborate. They work together. Kings and queens, they bring provision to the house of God where priests and priestesses, they bring vision to the house of God. They bring revelation. They bring prophetic words. Kings and queens bring finance. They bring breakthrough. They bring strategy. They bring territory. They bring business acumen. They bring experience. That's when you know you've approached a place of operating as a mature king or queen, as a, as a, as a mature priest or priestess. You don't charge the church for everything you do for them. That's, that's how you know you've oper- you're operating in that. You're looking for an opportunity to bring provision to the vision. Man, we've got a temple to build. <laughs> Is this helping y'all at all? Okay, I know I'm going over time. Have I gone beyond what you can endure? I'll be very quick. Here's where we fall short, though, sometimes, don't we? is we have a hard time blessing one another to flow in our respective gifts. A lot of times this is jealousy. Priest is jealous of the king because they got more money or kings are jealous of the priest because they're they're on a mission trip. Man, I wish I could contribute like that. You know, we need to partner together and to celebrate each other and bless each other and not fight with each other But if we don't get this right, then our kings and our queens, they'll be made to feel guilty for not being in vocational ministry. And the priest will be made to feel guilty for not making more money. You know, how how often if you're a king or a queen in here, how often have you felt that pressure or that shame that people have heaped upon you and said, well, if you'd ever really get spiritual, you'd be a missionary. Well, if you'd ever really get spiritual, you'd quit your job and turn in your cars and give away your house and give more money to the church and you'd be somewhere over in Africa serving the orphans. Well, maybe. But if you're a king and you're a queen, we bless you to function in your gift and to take dominion. You don't have to be here every single Sunday. If you need to show a house, if you need to close a deal, if you need to fly overseas to shake somebody's hands and sign a contract, kings, queens, we bless you. You don't need to be here every Sunday. You don't need to be always here. That's what priests do. Now, on the other hand, if you're at home catching up on This Is Us, you ain't ain't functioning as a king, okay? That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're doing work for the kingdom. You have a heart that says, what I'm doing today is making eternal impact in the kingdom, which is why I'm not there on Sunday. 
Not, well, you know, I'm in business, so I'm not really called to go to church. No, listen, you need the blessing of the priest so that you can have more breakthrough and you can have more favor and you can see more increase. You are, you are shooting yourself in the foot if you are called to be a king, if you are functioning as an entrepreneur, you are shooting yourself in the foot if you're not tithing. You are shooting yourself in the foot if you're not coming to church. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Literally, you are. I'm telling you, you could make so much more if you would function with kingdom principle. You would be entrusted with so much more. But your lack of contribution is a revelation of your immaturity. And it's time for you to grow. It's okay if I dad you a little bit. It's time for you to grow. Right? Time for you to grow, man. Time for you to be more fruitful. You think you've been fruitful. Hey, listen, there's got stuff for you, man. God's got stuff you never even thought of. I'm telling you, there's dominion, there's territories, there's places God's calling you to take for him. And if he can trust you with the little, what does the word say? He can trust you with the much. Somebody out there is wearing your crown. And you're bored and distracted and giving in to temptation. Somebody out there is sitting on your throne. You need to get up and go out to battle. Come in here. Let us bless you and go. Take dominion. Now, in the Bible, uh, a priest could never remove a king from his office. And in the Bible, a king could never remove a priest from his office. The assignment of the priest was threefold for the kings. Number one, we bless you. We bless you, we warn you, and we correct you. And that is not about your business. That's not about your corporation. That's about this. I I do not have any business stepping into your office and telling you how to run your business. Can we all acknowledge that that's the case? And it's not because I have a lack of a business acumen. It's because that's not what I'm anointed to do. And in the same way that I have no business as a priest telling you how to run your business as a king, as a king, you have no business telling me how to run the house of God as a priest. And I know that sometimes that's where we have problems in the church. People give a lot of money and they say, okay, now I want, I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do now. Listen, that's not how we collaborate. We collaborate by bringing vision and provision together. It's not always financial. Sometimes it's experience. And we sit down and we, we co-strategize for the kingdom. And we say, man, we could take this place here. We could reach these people here. We could feed these people here. You got some resource. You got some strategy. You got some experience. You got some legal connections. You got some networks. Well, man, I got a prophetic word. I had a dream last night. So we start to co-collaborate as queens and as priestesses. And we join together and we move forward. It's important that we discern this. Remember Melchizedek in the Old Testament. He was a priest. And then he met Abraham who was a king. What did Abraham do? He had just conquered cities. What did he do right after that? He met Melchizedek. What did he do? He took 10% of the spoil and he gave it to the priest. And what did Melchizedek do? He said, I bless you. I'm releasing. See, there was a co-collaborator. This was needed. This is the way the kingdom works. It's a, I bless you. Uh, hey, your, hey, your responsibility is to take territory. My responsibility is to take care of the tabernacle. We're working together. I'm not making you feel guilty about being gone for work. You're not making me feel guilty about staying here at the tent. We're, we're together, man. We're working together. Remember the three kings at the birth of Jesus, who is our high priest. 
They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, these wise kings that came in. They brought resource to the high priest and they financed his flight to Egypt. They financed his protection. They financed the word of the prophet that said that he would flee to Egypt. He would come back and he would settle in Nazareth. They financed the prophetic word that was given through Isaiah thousands of years previous. A priest prophesied and said, here's the vision of God. And three kings said, here's some gold to make it happen. Said, here's some gold. Here, take it. Here, finance it. That's not they were like, well, it's one piece and a... You can get by one yet? Kings don't think like that. Queens don't think like that. They think about money in the realm of abundance, not lack. See, the difference in a queen and somebody who, you know, just has not understood yet who they are is that a queen understands that money is way more like a candle in that as you share it, it multiplies. And it's not that I give away and it's gone. It's that I share the flame and it multiplies and eventually it brings light. So, see, that's the thing. That's a spiritual reality about money. The more you share it, the more light it brings. More, more, it's not that you're losing anything. In the Old Testament, there are 28 people for every one priest. We don't need everybody to be a preacher, although if you feel called to it, please tell us. We want to help you. But we need you to be called, be who God has called you to be and to be 